millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast. I'm Paul, that's John, and Dad, what have you been up to this week? I cooked one of my signature dishes last night. Oh God, what was it? No, no, Paul. Yeah? I have decided... Uh-huh. <laughs> Look, you and Tegan do a food podcast. We do, Dish Island, every week, yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. What? I spent almost three hours doing my... I'd say this is the signature signature dish that I did. Okay. And your mother mm-hmm. was beside herself with excitement. Now, I've been thinking about it, and I actually would like to go in a, a cooking competition, but the proviso being that everyone that's in it, yeah, they have to cook the one dish. Because this is, this is the dish that I truly excel in. It was so good... That when I sat down to eat it last night, Mm -hmm. it was a borderline religious experience. Okay. Would you like to know what it is? Yeah, very much so. Yes. Fried rice. It took you (laughs) three hours to make fried rice. Paul. Three hours to make fried rice? Paul, it's the preparation. It's If I can replicate what I did yesterday, it's so good... That I think I'd win a competition. Okay, so, so hang I, on, hang on, hang on. Can you talk me through why fried rice took you three hours? Well, I'm very um, fastidious. Yeah, I'll say. And I love order. <laughs> Paul, I would like to cook this for you and Tegan. Just make sure we're there for a long time, otherwise we might not make it to the meal. Cooking time. Fried rice cooking time. I'm looking it up now. Oh, look, Paul, I don't care what the books say. It's not It's not one of the things about this is, look, it's just magnificent. Can I tell you one of the things that I did? Tell me why it takes three hours to make fried rice. Yeah. <laughs> I did a four-egg omelette, but when I cracked the eggs into a bowl, you know that tiny little white thing sometimes that's attached to the... Yeah. Well... I had to remove every single white one and I used various things that weren't working that well. So firstly, I used tongs, Uh but they kept slipping out of the end of the tong. I eventually went into... Christine doesn't know this. I went into the bathroom and got her... (laughs) God. I got her tweezers. I cleaned them, of course. And then I used the tweezers 
to extricate every little white nodule. It just freaks me out. Okay, next time we're all together, you can make us this fried I rice. Will. I uh, will. We'll go catch a movie or something, and you can um, assemble this fried rice. I'm genuinely curious as to what takes three hours. Is it possible that it's you the just entire take, process, Paul? But is it possible that you take just a long time to do things? And that it, it's not that it is three hours worth of labor. It's that you've taken a thing that is generally regarded as one of the quickest, easiest things to make, and just exploded it out into some sort of Zen meditative exercise. Spot on, Paul. Okay, okay. I've done that. And I do that. I I do a fair bit of cooking. Yeah. And as the listeners will know, mm. um, I have a number of signature dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all know. I mean, one of my signature di- <laughs> dishes is lobster thermidor, but as Christine, and rather in an almost mean way, she mm. reminds me that I haven't made it since the 1980s. Yep, so it's not your signature. Okay. Dad, um, I have yeah. an article that was sent to me by a listener which I think will tickle the shit out of you. Can I read it to you? Go ahead. A man who posted himself home from Australia in a small wooden crate is searching for the two men who helped him and who nailed the box shut. Whilst being homesick is a common result of moving so far away from home, the then 19-year-old Brian Robson took it to extremes. In 1965, the Victorian Railways worker hatched a plan for his imminent return to Wales. He convinced two Irishmen to stow and board a freight plane after realising that an actual ticket would cost £700, which was 17 times his monthly salary. Now, 60 years later, Brian told the Irish Times that he wants to reconnect with the men who helped him hatch his plan, who he knew as Paul and John. He said, "Now, I mean, that's weird. Was, it, was that us? That's, Did we do this? That's bizarre. Yeah. He said, I'm 99% sure that they were called Paul and John. Paul was 100% against it. Sounds right. But John said, don't worry about it. I'll persuade him. Which again sounds completely in character. Mm. And so they both went ahead and helped. He regaled the newspaper with an account of his quite horrific experience, which took five days and derailed off course when he ended up in Los Angeles stored away in a freight shed. For three days prior to the journey, he'd taken laxatives to make sure he wasn't caught short. Nailed inside a small wooden crate, which his friends had labeled as a computer, Brian brought only a mini fridge-sized box with a pillow, a book of Beatles songs, and a suitcase. Paul and John booked him onto a Qantas flight from Melbourne to London without a hitch, that is, until the crate that held Brian was transferred to a Pan Am flight because the original plane was full. Instead of London, Brian was headed for LA and found himself stored in a freight shed where, after five days, he was too weak to hammer himself out. In a lucky piece of fortune, if you can call five days in a crate lucky, a man looked through a hole in a wood knot in the chest and we caught each other eye to eye, Brian told the BBC. (laughs) He jumped back a mile and said there's a body in there. Brian spent five days recovering in hospital and was questioned by the FBI. Not too long after, he was released and allowed to fly a passenger jet back to the UK without any legal action taken against him by the then acting Minister of Immigration, Leslie Berry. Uh, I'm looking at a photo of this young guy leaving the airport with security in tow, with immigration in tow. It's it's pretty adorable. When he arrived back in the UK, Brian wrote to the two men who had aided his outlandish plan, but they never responded. The now 76-year-old doesn't remember where they were from or what their surnames were, but is still desperate to thank them. Mm-hmm. He documented his journey in a book, The Crate Escape, which was published in 2020. Run. Okay, so ostensibly this story is a tie-in for a book, uh, a book press mm. tour, but it's a fascinating story. Fascinating. And what's, I mean, Dad, if you were if you were trapped in a crate for five days, what would you take with you? You can only take you know one or two things. You can, I don't think you can take anything electric. But what would you take with you to keep yourself occupied for five days? I'd probably have 
maybe an iPhone with a lot of music and you'd yeah. have to have some really, really beefed up, uh, you know, batteries mm-hmm. for... And I would be judicious with my listening because you may think you know when you're going to get out, but this is a classic case. And another thing too, which needs to be remembered or taken into consideration, and I correct me if I'm wrong, anyone that actually knows this, but I believe that in that, I mean, I'm. it's incredible that the box was in a pressurized part of the plane yeah. because there is no oxygen at that altitude. There's zero oxygen. Right. So it must have been in a part of the plane where perhaps they have pets, and obviously in that case, they need oxygen. So that's that's taken care of. But the other thing to consider is it would be pretty cold, I imagine. Yeah. And just how much room did he have around him um, in terms of claustrophobia? Five days... Five days is a long time. Let's talk about people that have done quarantine in the last two years. That's pretty... I mean, I did quarantine for one night and just knowing psychologically that someone is saying to you, you must not leave this room, but to know that you're inside a box, which is like effectively a coffin, and you would hope also that when the people are transporting the box... You know, the people that get things on and off planes... They're gentle with it. Yeah. yeah, they're gentle. And it's a known fact that that's not always the case. Mm. And he would have had to have had padding as well. I, I don't think he did. I mean, oh. it looks it looks like he was just in some pretty nice clothes and had a suitcase with him. Oh, it's surreal and it is and it is true, isn't it, Paul? It's a yeah. true story. So it's, it's quite true, extraordinary. Yeah. But imagine yeah. all those terrible... Similar because people stowaways, um, you know, it's been happening for for hundreds of years, mm. and there there have been cases of people that have hidden in the wheel arch of planes, which there is no oxygen, and when the as the plane takes off, so you've in essence got to run out onto the onto the you know the runway, you've got to sort of climb up into that that sort of very complex and huge sort of hydraulic mechanism. You've obviously got to be above the tyres because they're spinning and then you go hurtling down the runway. You're, you're basically looking down, but then at a certain point, once the aircraft leaves the ground, it, it raises the wheel carriage and the entire system gets sort of mechanically sort of taken up into the into the fuselage. And- Wouldn't you get... Cr- wouldn't you get crushed? Well, you try. So you've never done this before. You haven't been able to probably study a YouTube video on how to successfully, you know, stow away on a massive plane. So you're thinking on the run in an incredibly stressful situation, traveling at an unbelievable speed, taking off at, at, at about probably 30 degrees, which is scary in itself. And you're trying to avoid being crushed. If you do survive that, once you get to around about, well, above 20,000 feet, bearing in mind that the plane's probably going to be flying close to 40,000 feet, you are going to have no oxygen or very, very, very little oxygen. And have you ever looked at the temperature when you're inside the plane, of the outside temperature? No. It's normally around about minus 50 degrees Celsius. 
it's you, you can't possibly survive. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have a story from the BBC, 2nd of July, 2019. This is a absolutely banana story. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Okay. A suspected stowaway who is believed to have fallen from the landing gear of a flight into Heathrow Airport, has been found dead in a London garden. Mm. The body, believed to be that of a man, was found in Offerton Road, Clapham, just before 15.40 BST on Sunday. Police said it was thought the individual fell from a Kenya Airways flight from Nairobi. A neighbour said the body fell a metre away from a resident who had been sunbathing in the garden. God. The man, who did not want to be named, said he heard a womp, so he looked out of an upstairs window and saw the body and blood all over the walls of the garden. God. Now, I'm looking at a map here. It's got the flight path of the plane. It's got Heathrow, heads across Greater London, body found in Clapham. Okay, yeah, this is crazy. Mm. The neighbour who asked not to be named said a plane spotter who had been following the flight on, an plane, on a plane tracking app from Clapham Common had seen the body fall. Mm. The plane spotter had arrived almost at the same time as the police and told them the body had fallen from a Kenyan Airways flight. If it had been there two seconds later, he would have landed on the common where there were hundreds of people. My kids were in the garden 15 minutes before he fell. I spoke to Heathrow. They said this happens once every five years. Mm. Describing the victim, he said one of the reasons his body was so intact was because the body was an ice block. There you go. Oh, dear. Yeah. (sighs) Offerton Road in Clapham on a bright summer's day is a tranquil and leafy corner of southwest London. Other than journalists arriving, there is little activity, but many people presumably out at work. But every 30 seconds or so, the quiet is punctured by the din of jet engines traveling overhead, indicating the road's position directly underneath a major highway for aircraft heading for Heathrow from across the globe. Kenya Airways said the aircraft was inspected and no damage was reported. A bag, water, and some food were found in the landing gear compartment on the aircraft when it landed. God, that's incredible. And yes, I actually... I'm aware of that particular story, Paul, and um, I was going to sort of try and, you know, allude to that. But it's just extraordinary. And and as we've touched on before, you know, human desperation can make people do the most extraordinary things. And sometimes they they succeed 
and other times. I mean, all those people in Afghanistan last year yeah. on the runway. I mean, what... It's just... It's it's like... It's like a sort of a zombie sort of film where people just are desperate. And, yeah, it's extraordinary. I mean, um, Dad, I'm looking here. It's This happens quite regularly and as a spokesman for Kenya Airways said the 6,840 kilometer flight takes 8 hours and 50 minutes Mm. Uh, and then in I mean here we go in June 2015 one man was found dead on the roof of notonthehighstreet.com's headquarters in Richmond West London while another was found in critical condition after they both clung onto a British Airways flight from Johannesburg in August 2012, a man's body was found in the undercarriage bay of a plane at Heathrow after a flight from Cape Town. Right, so they try and stow away, mm. freeze to death, and then, as in this case, I mean, the body falls on the... I mean, you wouldn't want to live under the flight path already, but imagine the prospect of a body falling out of a plane. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, flying in a plane in a seat, yeah, getting refreshments and being able to go to the toilet is sometimes a torturous affair. Mm-hmm. Spare a thought for someone underneath, and you know, on the balance of probability, dead and frozen, like yeah. a big ice block, just spears down. Dad, I actually did some calculating, and if you were trapped in the box that we were talking about before, that that young man was mm. in trying to get back to Wales, if you mm. were trapped in there for the amount of time he was trapped in there, you could have made your fried rice forty times. Forty. Now, if it didn't take so long to make, you could make more of it. But mm. there you go. 40 but um, a lot of love went into my fried rice, Paul. Yeah. yeah. And I need to really focus. I went to bed last night going through my mind what had actually made this fried rice better than any fried rice I'd ever made by a country mile, might I say. You do a food podcast. I thought you'd be slightly more excited about my story. No, I'm just, I just, look, I don't think there's a world in which it takes three hours to make. Is it possible you're overinflating the amount of time it took? No. Like, <laughs> three hours. Well. Aon, are you including was... shopping for the ingredients in that? Uh, well, it was light when I started and it was dark when I finished. Okay, but that could well and truly be. Well, truly. I know yeah, what you're can... saying. You're saying I could have started on the cusp of the sun going down. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. I don't think it took three hours. Paul. That's not very nice of you to say that, Paul. No, I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to give you the benefit of the doubt and say that I don't know why you feel the need to say it took three hours when it clearly couldn't have taken three hours. Ah, Paul. It could. No, Dad. It couldn't unless you stopped for forty minutes between each step. It couldn't have taken three hours to make fried rice. Well, it was more than two hours. Oh, I don't think it was. <laughs> I think it may have been maybe maybe an hour twenty. No, not a chance, but Paul. It was Paul. It's an incredibly involved process. I'm not saying okay? it's not, but I'm oh, saying and, it I, and, and, and can I just say at this juncture to you yeah. and the listeners that yeah. I have some special techniques that I use when I'm cooking. Right. And those they're, clearly techni- very, they're clearly very time efficient. But Paul, please- <laughs> the techniques that I use, yeah. one of them mm-hmm. is that I, I crank up the heat, but then I remove the pan right. and I put it to the side. And I do that for a long time. It's a repetitive process. Yeah. Okay. So there are I, these... I like the idea that, Dad, you've taught yourself to cook, but if you were sat there in a cooking class with an expert chef, you'd go, you know, talking about, and you just walk out because you would think you know best. I'd, I'd like to see, I'm saying I'd like to see you in a, in a, 
contest environment like a master chef let's mm. say it's a it's the it's the fried rice week for some reason and they've given you 30 minutes cuz that's how long it takes to make fried Paul, rice no mate, listen it's Dad, not possible to do my my particular special dish in 30 yeah. minutes okay that the 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 the, the omelet process yeah is let me think about this even if you take out the fact that it took me probably I spent at least 10 minutes trying to get those stupid white things off the yolks. Okay? And one of them dropped on the floor. They looked like, ugh, so terrible. Ugh, can't even think about it. Let me just read you this, Dad. Here we go. Okay. So, you've got your rice. Yeah? And this is from BBC Good Food. Heat two tablespoons of oil in a large wok over high heat, then add the onion and fry until lightly browned around five minutes. There's Okay, so that's five minutes. Maybe another few minutes for cutting the onion. Add the rice, which as you pointed out is already cooked. Stir and toast for about three minutes, then move to the side of the pan. Add the remaining oil, then tip in beaten egg. Leave to cook a little, then mix in with the rice. Stir vigorously to coat the grains. Or if you prefer the egg chunkier, allow to set for a little longer before breaking up and stirring through. Tip into a serving bowl and scatter over the spring onion to serve. You can add sesame oil, ground white pepper, and a splash of soy sauce to season. Now, granted, this doesn't look like the How best boring. Fried rice. How boring. Do you know what no, you're, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's that's in any way approximating the flavor of your fried oh, rice. Paul, but, Paul, mate. Time wise, you see what I'm saying? No, I don't, because Paul, one yeah. of the signature ingredients that I use, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. The finest mm. smoked bacon. What I want to hear from you listeners is, do you think three hours is a realistic amount of time to cook fried rice, or has Dad slightly overdone it? Let us know at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Anyway, this is a uh, true crime podcast, but so fear not, we will be back on Tuesday morning with another look at the courthouse. I mean, Dad, really, we couldn't have done a less true crimey episode of the show if no, we tried. It's, and it's bloody great, because Paul and listeners, I'm, I'm going to talk about something fairly fascinating on the final episode of the the Family Law Court bombings. Yep. Next week. And I reached out to the um the writer, director, producer of that show on the ABC. Yeah. And I sent her um an email. Yep. With some interesting information that I you know, without saying too much and she called me within fifteen minutes. Are you serious? Yeah. Hang on. Are you serious? Hundred percent. She called me, and we'll discuss that next week. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, this is a big deal. All right. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, that's something of a bombshell, so Mm. make sure you tune in next week for more Loose Units. In the meantime, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.